You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning. It is great to be together. Uh, happy Super Bowl Day. Got the Rams. We uh, No, it's super exciting. The, the Rams are here in, in Los Angeles. I know Cincinnati, uh, the Bengals have been practicing at UCLA all week. Some of the players were uh, walking around, but it's exciting. You know, we are a Rams family in the Shump household, uh, not like all you bandwagon fans. We, uh, My dad grew up a Rams fan since he was a kid, uh, so we were going to the games back in 2016 when they were 4-12 and 12 and doing terrible, uh, and I know, obviously, we've got a big stadium now and a great team, and they're doing great marketing, so it's super exciting, though. love that the Rams are here in L.A., and uh, we get to enjoy the Super Bowl. So we're going to continue with our series titled Gifted. Uh, we've been doing this series for a few weeks now, and we're super excited to kind of really empower the church, to empower all of you to really use your gifts. Uh, obviously, as, as you all know, it's also Black History Month, and so we're so excited to not only empower the entire church, but really uplift and empower our black members and all the gifts they bring to our service and to our church. And so big thanks to Paul Nagakura, everyone who's helped out with the newsletter, uh, everyone who's helped out putting together the videos. Uh, it's amazing seeing the kind of high-quality content we put together here on the West Side. So we can go ahead and clap it up just for everyone who's participating in that. Big thank you. It really is an honor to uplift our black brothers and sisters. So we're so grateful to uh, be able to participate in that. So what we like to do here in the, in, in the West is keep our sermons a little short. You know, you can't let me, Steve, or Kenny go too long, because eventually we'll say something that's not good. So we keep our sermons short, and then we uh, have a communion discussion. And so during that time, we get together with people around us, and we answer some questions as a time to really connect. And so we're going to read a few scriptures today, uh, and that will kind of lead us directly into our communion discussion. So it might kind of feel abrupt. So don't be freaked out when I say, hey, okay, now take some time and, and talk to people around you. Uh, we'll pose some questions for you. Uh, that's going to kind of be going to be the style of today. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. So we've been doing this gifted series. My title for uh, the sermon today is Giant Gifts. So we're going to be looking at the story of David and examining some different moments from his life. So as a church, we've encouraged everyone to read this book called Find Your Place. And pretty much the, the goal of the book is to help you as a Christian discover what, what are your gifts, what are your passions, what is your story? How can you use the things that God has given you to really build up the church and build up the greater community? So this sermon is going to be based on chapter 2 of that book. And so if you've read chapter 2, the sermon will sound familiar. Uh, if you haven't, then you can go ahead and also read that uh, and use some connections there. So the, the chapter is super deep. I won't be able to go into everything Uh, But it really has been an awesome book. It's a great read. So like I said, today we're going to be examining the life of David. Now, David has a very complicated story in the Bible. He's a very complex character. But he's also one of the most important characters in the Bible. You see, David's life, it's, it's truly a roller coaster. There's lots of highs and there's lots of lows. And the highs are really, really high. And the lows are really, really low. And so because of that, what's interesting is is pretty much any person can relate to David on some level. 
You know, for those who have felt like they're the underdog, but have, have persevered and found great purpose, they can relate to David. The warriors, the frontline workers, the go-getters, they can relate to David. The musicians, those who like to dance, they can relate to David. For those who are at their lowest point in life, who are depressed or feeling crushed by life's circumstances, they can relate to David. For those who have experienced intense family drama, murder, deception, abuse, all within their own family line, they can relate to David. For those who have experienced grace and redemption and healing, they can relate to David. For those who themselves have committed unspeakable acts, adultery, murder, deceit, even they can relate to David. You know, Jesus himself, our Lord and Savior, related to David. That's crazy to think about. You know, many of the Psalms that David wrote were direct prophecies to Christ. The things that David was going through, his experiences, Christ experienced the exact same things. You know, as Jesus, as as, as he hung on the cross, and his life was coming to an end, and he decided to choose his final words, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, who was he quoting? He was quoting David. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, there's no one quite like David. If you took a person who was, whose life was just, just trashed, who was an adulterer or a liar or a murderer and filled with deceit, and then you took Jesus, both those people could look at David's life and say, yeah, I relate to that guy. And that, that's crazy to think about. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few moments from David's life. There's a lot of moments. Obviously, we, we could be here for, spend here hours talking about the different moments. But we're going to look at a few kind of key moments, and we're going to relate them to this gift series. We're going to look at David's gifts. We're going to look at a few of his skills and then relate that to us as modern-day people. Does this sound good? Cool. All right, we're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 16. We'll have it up on the screen. Oh, I got it, I got it, I got slides. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and starting in verse 14. It says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Saul was currently the king of Israel, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre or the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. Verse 21, skip down a little bit. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, 
for I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. It's interesting stuff. So a little bit early in chapter 16, this guy David actually gets anointed and is pretty much told, you're going to be the king of Israel one day. It's this awesome kind of underdog story. David's the youngest out of all his brothers, the least expected to be king, but he's told, you are going to be king. But before that happens, before David becomes king, he has these different kind of interactions with really important people, and this is one of them. He's brought in to play his harp for the king of Israel, King Saul, because Saul is tormented by this evil spirit. Yet when David plays his harp, something amazing happens. Something supernatural. In some way, the the notes that he plays interacts with the spirits of the unseen realm, and Saul has relief. It's pretty cool. Okay, we're going to come back to this. Let's keep reading. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. The story of David and Goliath. Very famous story. Most of you have probably heard it. So we know David has his harp, so we're going to look at a few other objects that David uses, his different skills, his gifts. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damon between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. Okay, so there's this big standoff between the Philistines, the bad guys, and the Israelites, the good guys. And there's this deep valley, and they're on either side, and there's a stalemate. Verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He was really tall. He was like nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves. Bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood, verse 8, and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, he will be, we will become your subjects. But if I can overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. So there's a lot on the line for this battle. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the other Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And this is an intense scene. You've got this this, this giant, this monster, this this beast, this nine-foot-tall character, and he's just screaming and mocking the army of God. And no one wants to go out and face him. So where's David during all this? Well, David was a shepherd, and so while his brothers are off at war, he's at home hanging out with the sheep. And he's sitting on the countryside, and and he's playing his little harp, and he's having a good time. 
And so his dad says, look, you can't just be sitting here hanging out with the sheep. You need to go help. So take some bread and take some cheeses and go out to battle and give it to your brothers because they're working hard and you're just sitting around not doing anything. So he runs out with his bread and his cheeses and he goes to the battlefield. And then he like brings them nice food and they all just start making fun of him. It's terrible. And they're, they're pretty much just saying, look, you're only here. You're not here to help. You just want to watch the battle. You just want to tune in. You just want to be a fan. And, and David doesn't like this. David gets mad. So David walks up to Saul, King Saul, and says this. He says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. A bold statement. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. I don't, I think he's probably more of a sarcastic, not a really empowering way he said that. All right, verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said, because I am not used to them. So he took them off and he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream to put in a pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. The small shepherd boy walking up with no armor, just a little pouch of rocks and a staff. Verse 48, we'll finish up here. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank to his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. This story never gets old, right? You probably heard it a hundred times. It's fun getting to read it up here. It's an intense story. But it's the, it's the original underdog story, right? I love that the Bible includes this various underdog stories. You know, David, he was this, this shepherd boy, this seemingly weak, cast-aside, young, unskilled person. Yet he had a few very specific skills. You know, David has said he spent his every day out tending to his sheep. And so he got really good at playing the harp, just sitting on the countryside. And he got really good at protecting his sheep. And so these different kind of mundane tasks that he would perform, 
end up being used by God for great victory. And you know, just like David, we all have natural gifts. We all have things that, that we're born with or that kind of through intentional development we, we acquire. You know, some people are really good at, at just, at, they're a good athlete, at athlete, they're good at athletes. They're very athletic. They're good at sports. I'm not good at talking. <laughs> some people are really good at singing. We have an incredible worship team. Some of these people up here are, are actual professionals. Like, this is their career. It's amazing the worship team we have in the West. Some people are really just naturally good at school. They're good at math. They're good at reading, or they just take the SAT without studying, and they just pass with flying colors. Different people have kind of different talents that some are born with and some are developed. So when I was a young lad uh, and I was in middle school, I felt kind of sad because I feel like I didn't have any skills. I was like incredibly average at most things. And so I could kind of like hold my own, but I was never like the best. I was never like the standout. And so, and I, the other problem was I didn't really have a whole lot of friends. And so I thought if I want to get some friends, I had to develop some skills, right? So I started to kind of test out different skills. So I was kind of tall at the time. So I thought maybe I'll get a, be, be good at basketball. And different people were like, you're tall. You know, you should be good at basketball. It's, it's bad when you're tall and not good at something because then everyone expects you should be. Everyone's like, got to use that God-given body, you know, to get a basketball. So I was determined. I was like, I want to be good at basketball. But I was really bad when I started out. So I decided, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard. And I would go down to the park, and I would just shoot free throws for hours and, and try and make layups. Um, and so after months and months of, of hard work, of, of discipline, of going down, I was still really, really bad. I played in the youth league. And uh, I was kind of overweight at the time, and so they called me No Jump Shump. <laughs> it was my last name, Shump. Yeah, so basketball was not my skill. I've, if you've ever seen, like, elementary school kids play basketball where they kind of just throw the ball up in the air, that was that's kind of what I would do. So it was bad. So I realized that was not going to be my skill, so that, okay, maybe sports are not it. But maybe I can get good at building things. My grandfather was an aerospace engineer. So I'm like, maybe some of that trickled down into my brain. So I would, like, build, try and build, like, rockets and, like, do stuff with, like, Diet Coke and Mentos and, like, try and launch CO2 canisters. And, and it never worked. It was always just a complete failure. But I thought, you know, maybe I can build some things or be an inventor. And that, that didn't work out either. So I was pretty sad as, like, a 12-year-old uh, feeling like I didn't have any skills or any natural-born talent. So I was sitting watching YouTube one day, and I saw someone solving a Rubik's Cube. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that could be my skill. So I went out, and I bought a Rubik's Cube, and I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, and eventually I learned how to solve it. And I thought I was the coolest person in the world because I could solve a Rubik's Cube. So I would take it everywhere. I would solve it for people. Uh, people were always amazed, and so I just kept doing it. Um, I was the Rubik's kid, kid at school, which you guys all probably knew who that kid was. Uh, that was me carrying around my Rubik's Cube. But that kind of became my little skill. That kind of became my little talent. And, and I was always amazed that people thought uh, it was so cool that I could do that, and I liked the attention that kind of came from that. Um, 
Okay, kind of funny Rubik's Cube story. So Snapchat, which is, I don't know, people still using Snapchat? No? Okay. Well, when I was in <laughs> like late middle school, high school, Snapchat was a big thing. And they had this filter where you could do something and then play it backwards. Does that make sense? So I, I could like give this sermon and then you could go on and play it backwards. So I thought it'd be hilarious to make it look like I was solving a Rubik's Cube blindfolded. And so essentially what I did is I took a solve Rubik's Cube and I put a blindfold on and my buddy recorded me messing it up. So then I just played it backwards and uploaded it to Snapchat and it looked like I was solving it with my eyes closed. And so, so I'm at church and there's this brother who comes up to me. It was Rob Hanna. I don't know if you guys remember Rob. Awesome brother. He comes up to me and he goes, Justin, I saw your video on Snapchat. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like you can solve it with your, with your eyes closed. Like that is raw talent, young man. And I'm like, oh gosh, I got to tell him. He goes, you know, I was in a Bible study last night with a guy and I use you as an example. If you work hard at something and you have God given talent, you can do anything. And to this day, I have not told Rob because I am too embarrassed. And I hope he doesn't watch this. But you know, God, God created all of us in his own image, which means that he gives all of us a, a specific gift. He wants us as humans to be fruitful, to be multiplied, to subdue the earth. That's his, that's his calling for all of us. He wants us to use our, our gifts, our natural gifts, to go out and make the world a better place, to contribute to society, to add value. You know, often a person's profession will kind of revolve around this natural gift that they have. And so every person, whether you're a Christian or not, has some type of natural gift. You have some type of sling in your life, like David had. David's sling represents his natural gift. But there's actually two kinds of gifts we're going to talk about. There's natural gifts and there's supernatural gifts. You see, David's sling was his natural gift, but he also had a harp. And his harp was his supernatural gift. You see, when David played the harp, it drove away evil spirits. And so David was able to provide spiritual healing to a person in distress. There was something supernatural that was going on. You know, as Christians, we get to experience having a supernatural gift. And this gift we receive at our second birth. This gift we receive by the power of the Holy Spirit. These are things we cannot develop on our own. Things you cannot just be born with. Things like wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, prophecy, discernment. This is all based off 1 Corinthians, a passage there that talks about these various gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to believers. You know, it's through these spiritual gifts that God uses the church and empowers the church to bless the entire world. To discover divine power to make disciples to bring people to Jesus 
to strengthen the church, to fight demonic evil, to fully manifest the kingdom of God. These things do not come from our natural talents, from the gifts given at birth, or the ones we cultivated from watching YouTube videos. These come directly from the power of the Holy Spirit. And so every person has a sling. Every person has a natural gift, a natural tendency, a talent. And every Christian has a harp, a supernatural gift of the Spirit. But there's one more object in this story I want to talk about, and that's going to lead us directly into our communion discussion. And that's Saul's armor. You see, when, when David presents himself and says, look, I will go forth, I will kill Goliath, I will take on this challenge, Saul says, great, you got to take my armor. But Saul was a grown man, and David was just a boy. So David puts on this armor, and it doesn't fit. And he says, look, this is only going to slow me down. In fact, this might get me killed. You know, Saul thought that that armor is what David needed to be successful. But in reality, it would have just prevented him from using his real gift, his sling. You know, Saul's armor represents anything that gets in the way of us using our gifts. And this can be various things. This can be maybe someone kind of pushing you into a role that maybe you're not meant for. Maybe it's your own insecurity, feeling like maybe your gift or your talent is not good enough compared to others. Maybe it's this image we can have in the church of what it means to kind of be a a super Christian or a, a leader and feeling like, man, if we don't fit that role exactly, if we don't have the same blueprint for our lives, then we don't have value. Saul's armor is whatever gets in the way of using your natural gift and your spiritual gift. So everyone has a sling. You have a natural gift. Every Christian has a harp, a spiritual gift. But everyone's going to have to face Saul's armor in some capacity. So that's going to lead us into our communion discussion. I've got the questions up here. Question number one, what is your sling? What is your natural gift? Question number two, or question number one again, what is your harp? (laughs) Your supernatural gift. And the last question, uh, what is your armor? What, what is anything that holds you back from using your gifts? So what I want to do now is I want to have a time of conversation. So with the people around you, go ahead, have a discussion about these questions. We'll come back and pray for communion, and we'll head on from there. Hopefully you're able to have some good discussion. We're going to go ahead and bring it all in, see if you can wrap up your final thoughts. All right, well, hopefully you're able to have some good discussion with people around you. Hopefully you're able to maybe meet someone new or at least learn something new about someone you already know. So this time I'm going to go ahead and say a prayer, and we're going to take the offering. We're going to take the bread, take the juice, and use this as a time to remember the cross, remember Jesus and what he's done for us. If you need communion, there will be some ushers who can grab it for you if you haven't already got it, but let's pray.
God, we're so grateful to be together, to have a place where we can worship you and sing songs, see familiar faces, meet new people. God, we're so grateful for the ways that you bring us together. And that when you bring us together, it's for a purpose, for it's for us to use our gifts, use our talents, use the things we've developed to serve you and to have an impact on the world. I pray that we as a church will continue to go into the community to impact our neighbors, impact our, our coworkers, the schools we work at, the places we attend. We're so grateful for your common grace that you've given all people, every person, every creature, a gift. But we're also grateful for your saving grace, that as Christians we get to experience the power of the Spirit. We get to experience supernatural gifts. Pray that you would help recognize that and those who maybe can't see it yet. God, thank you for our, our new brothers and sisters, those who are being added to the kingdom every day. Pray as we go out and we attend maybe different parties and, 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 and enjoy the, the just revelry of having the Super Bowl in Los Angeles, that you can keep all of us safe. We can encourage the people we're spending time with. Pray as we take this communion, we can realize the power of the cross. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.